When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why did Boogie choose the Warriors? Is LeBron repelling other stars away from LA? Where will Kawhi go? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey sports fans, Coach Nick here and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown Podcast. Today I am pleased to welcome friend of the breakdown, Michael Lee who is a senior NBA writer for Yahoo Sports NBA. And uh, Michael, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. So we go back a long way. I can't even remember the last time, the first time we actually met, probably like 2011 or something like that. Would, would that be fair? Uh, yeah, somewhere around there, back when I was covering the Wizards. Yeah, right, back when you were a, more, more of a local focus. But here we are, and it's now your job to cover the entire NBA. I'm going to make you work. Uh, are you ready? <laughs> yes. All right. Well, I suppose, you know, it's hard to, you know, we could throw a dartboard and figure out what we want to start with. But let's just do it. Let's I'm working on a video for uh, DeMarcus Cousins going to the to the Warriors and what that's going to look like. So um, what's your insider take on that? Was that a complete surprise to you as soon as you heard the signing or did you hear rumblings before? No, that, that was a total surprise because, I mean, it was a surprise for the Warriors that he even was thinking about playing there. So you can imagine what it'd be like that they actually signed him. Um, you know, when you thought about the market shoot, I heard all last season that Dallas would be in the running, that the Lakers would be in the running, and of course, obviously the Pelicans would be right there as a um, as a part of the front runner because they could pay him the most money. But you know, once his Achilles ruptured, it just everything was sort of up in the air about what he would wind up doing and what kind of you know contract he would get in an open market. And it didn't appear like he could get anything that would be satisfactory for him. Um, but like once I heard it was Warriors, I was shocked. And then when I took a step back, I was like, this makes perfect sense because playing in Golden State gives him two things that he needs right now. He has an opportunity to rehab both his uh, Achilles and his reputation because I think that what drove him there more than anything was that in the time since he got hurt, um, everything that he had done up until that point to sort of put the Pelicans on course to a winning, to being able to pair with Anthony Davis and really look like a, a really dynamic tandem together. Um, it was all just swept under as the Pelicans started winning in his absence. And people were saying that they were better off without him, that he doesn't contribute to winning basketball. It was almost like what happened before he got hurt just just didn't happen. So he, then he And then after that, all the things that came up from Sacramento were thrown into the pot. So it was this whole just negative, um, just just uh, folder just got piled up, you know, um, throughout the time he was hurt, and I think that really upset him. And the only way he could respond to that was by basically, I wrote, he gave him everybody a middle finger to say, okay, you don't think I, I want to be a part of a winning program? I'm going to pick the winningest program going on right now. Or you don't think I can help a team win? Then I'm going to do it here, and I'm going to make all of you mad, and you're going to deal with it. And I think this was just his way of just kind of 
you know, like I said, dual purposes of, of healing two two things that matter to him, but also um, having a chance to win at the biggest level and kind of shut up the people who say he just doesn't care, which is the op- exact opposite of what his he is. Like I've, I've covered him since he's been in the league, and I've talked to him a lot extensively about a lot of topics. One of the things about DeMarcus Cousins that I know is that he desperately wants to win. He desperately wants to play a role in a winning program. And if you saw him his play at the FIFA Cup, World Cup in 2014, at the Olympics in 2016, you'll know that he's willing to do whatever it takes. He came off the bench um, for those situations to work, and he was able to thrive. And still, you know, no matter what, <laughs> he, gets, he gets hit with the same label. Um, and I think he just wants to dispel that. Huh. Well, there's a lot to unpack there. And yeah. I think, you know, there were reports that after the, um, the the initial injury, they did offer him an extension of a two years and, and $40 million. Is that true? The Pelicans? Uh, that's, what, that's what they reported. And I, I, that, that sounds like a, a reasonable number um, you know, for the Pelicans to go with just because they don't know when he's going to get back. You know, an Achilles injury is such a dangerous um, uh, thing to commit to. You know, um, mm-hmm. you saw with, um, with with Elton Brand a few years ago. He represented Achilles. He was all-star player, one of the best players in the game at the time. Philadelphia gave him a max contract, and they were regretting that within the first couple of months with them being back on the court with them. So um, it's just not a guarantee that he's going to come back and be that four-time all-star and be that dynamic force that we were used to seeing, the guy who can give you the business and get buckets inside and out. You know, um, I think it's tough to expect that from a guy. Um, we've seen like guys like Rudy Gay, you know, come back and look fine. And Dominique Wilkins is clearly the biggest name guy who came back from the Achilles. But there are so many guys who come back and, and, and fail um, that it's going to be hard. But mm-hmm. I think for DeMarcus, the reason why I go and say it's such a great spot for him is they don't need a fifth all-star. They really don't need him. So he can take as much time as he needs to get mm-hmm. healthy. If he goes to, say, the Pelicans or if he said if he went to Washington or anywhere else that you heard floating around that he, he could go to, the expectation is that once he gets on the floor that he's going to be DeMarcus Cousins. Right. The Warriors kind of don't need him to be DeMarcus Cousins. They just need him to be a guy who can be a defensive presence, rebound, and score whenever he gets the ball in the low block. They don't need him to carry them. If you went to another place, they'd, they'd be expecting to get that four all-star version. So he can actually just go there, play basketball, and his limitations will be masked by the fact that he's playing with the best shooting backcourt of all time and the best scoring machine that's going right now, Kevin Durant. Sure. I, I would just be a, a, a little bit worried if I was his agent. Like, I don't know how you ever could have turned down that offer, knowing all the things you just outlined, uh, as far as the money thing, because he, you know, no one was going to offer him $20 million a year in this free agent market. So uh, I just found that strange to hear that. And then, you know, especially right after the injury, and they before they realized how much better they were maybe without him, uh, it just seems like they would have should have grabbed that deal. Well, yeah and no. Um, if you're DeMarcus Cousins and you feel like you're a max player, you've already taken a major hit over the last two years. Sacramento traded you away, so you, that meant you didn't qualify for the Supermax. So uh-huh. they, they blew your money right there. Um, and then you go to New Orleans, and then you get this injury, and then you get chopped down even more, pretty much chopped down in half. So I can see in his mind, I need to get a max if I'm going to be playing at full strength. I'm a, I need to get paid like a superstar because I am one. That's his mindset. So I think it's, it's for him it's worth taking a gamble because 
you know, again, he's not going to have to do much more than just look like he's sort of himself again. If he wins a ring and he gets open market next year, think about next year. There's going to be a lot of teams, I think, with cap space. I think close to 11 teams or so are going to have a max slot available. So if that's the case, there aren't that many players who are going to get that money. So somebody's going to have to spend on somebody. You remember when the Knicks, you know, in 2010, everybody had all that max space and everybody was getting geared up to sign LeBron. Well, once he was off the market, guys had to sign, and the Knicks went and got Amari Stoudemire, who was coming off a knee injury. And he played well, but he wasn't able to play at a high level um, much longer after that. So if you're in the market, hitting the market next season makes a lot of sense, makes a lot more sense than, you know, Phil taking a, a, market, a, a less than market value um, deal right now. Um, so I, I just think he, he's thinking long-term as opposed to just getting the money while he can. Fair enough. And, and I do know that apparently him and Draymond are friends <laughs> But I'm yeah. I'm a little bit worried about that, and I feel like, uh, and I said this on Twitter a couple of days ago, and people wanted to shoot me down on it. But I just feel like you know, if they get into it and it becomes an issue, you know, you're not gonna. I don't think you're gonna have a guy like <laughs> Steph Curry or Clay Thompson or even Kevin Durant. Like they're not gonna step in and try and stop them and be that kind of teammate. So I worry that that could be like some pretty big fireworks. Yeah, and that's the risk in that whole thing, and that's why I think everyone who's already saying that the season's over, cancel the 2019 season, we don't need it, we already know who the champion's going to be, is that they're not taking consideration that this could go bad. You know, um, he, he may not mesh well. I mean, they played together on Team USA with all the other four starters, so he has relationships with them dating back to that. That's, that's a totally different environment when you know you're going to win, you know, mm-hmm. uh, representing Team USA. Um, here, there's a lot more pressure, a lot more try to defeat, you know, like uh, talented guys. So it's going to be a challenge, and we know his history. Um, like I said, I hate to bring it up because it is part of his history. But um, you know, one of the things that could happen is that it could it could go bad, and it could wind up hurting him um, when he hits the free agent market. So mm-hmm. there is some risk there. For sure. Well, let's move on down to the uh, the farther down the coast to Los Angeles because clearly uh, there's some big news there recently where LeBron James has now joined them and uh, a ragtag bunch of misfit toys uh, are also playing with him now <laughs> on Lakers. And there's been some reports. I know Ramona Shelburne mentioned something, the fact that, like, you know, obviously LeBron is involved to some degree on what these personnel moves are, but... I don't know, when you bring in the guys like Rondo and Lance Stevenson and even JaVale, it, it almost feels like this is all LeBron and not Rob Polinka and Magic Johnson. What are your What's your take on that? Yeah, it's such an odd mix of players, and it doesn't seem to be the, the players who fit what LeBron needs, on his, at least on an offensive end, what he needs on his side. He needs guys who can you know, run the floor, who can spread the floor, who can hit, knock down open shots. He has no shooters around him. Like, I think this is probably the fewest shooters he's had on him since he was in Cleveland, and Booby Gibson was his only safety <laughs> valve. Like, he's got to go back, like, a decade to where he's on a team that just doesn't have shooting. Um, I don't know how the Lakers expect to really generate offense, you know, that way, you know, without having anybody that can knock down shots. So it's going to be a challenge in that perspective. Um, and then just the personalities of these guys, like – you can have like one guy who's a little off or one guy who's like really old, you know, ultra competitive and that won't really disrupt your locker room because you can just, but then just to throw a bunch of guys in the mix, um, it's going to create for a real awkward uh, situation. I, I think 
Um, but it's also going to be quite entertaining just to see if it all <laughs> comes together. And it also could set LeBron up to win, win his, finally win his MVP. Maybe he just wants to surround himself with just the most bizarre roster that if he puts up the same numbers he did this year, like there's no denying he's MVP. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Especially if he can lead them to you know the playoffs even, that would probably be yeah, no, a, a good narrative. Uh, by the way, there there are some shooters. I mean, you know, Kyle Kuzma did shoot really well in the he very is, beginning he of the year. He is very good. And yeah. he ended up at 37. And Ingram, Ingram's getting better. Yeah. And even Josh Hart, who I really, really like, who got hurt, everyone kind of forgot. He was shooting about 40% from three, only taking three a game, but that's not, you know, a tiny amount compared to like Brandon Ingram, who, uh, you know, it didn't even take two a game. And I'm hoping that maybe that will unlock his game if they keep him. So, uh, so I don't know. There might, it's weird. The Lakers fans are slowly trying to convince themselves that this is actually something they can, they can roll with. Uh, what do you think? Are they done or is there going to be another big move coming? I mean, you expect there's a big move, but it may not be this year. I think that's what LeBron is sort of giving them wiggle room to sort of take their time uh, to put this thing together. Like we said, going into this year, we sort of expected the Warriors to win this championship this year anyway. So next year, next season is really the year that I think this is all pointed towards with that 2019 free agent class, trying to get somebody out there like a Jimmy Butler or a Clay Thompson or you know, just somebody who can fit, you know, with what LeBron's doing. You know, maybe this year is sort of just a test season where people watch and see what LeBron does there and say, oh, you know what, I can work, I can go to L.A. and, and it can work there for me. Um, the fact that they haven't signed any of those guys that we mentioned to long-term deals lets you know that they're still gearing up for making a huge run in 2019. So I think this year is sort of like, Whatever happens is cool. You know, LeBron knows that once he steps on the court, that team's going to be competitive. That team's going to be playing, you know, for something big just just by having him around. So who his teammates are, it doesn't, in his mind, it doesn't really matter. He's going to win with whatever you throw next to him. Well, uh, but, next, uh, but 2019 – 2019 is going to be the year that they're gearing up for. Sure, sure. Well, and I can see that. You never know. Like maybe Brandon Ingram can finally develop into what we've been expecting from him. And I guess the biggest question is going to be then is will LeBron let that happen? Will he exist in an offense that will allow guys to find themselves and to you know develop quicker? I feel like a lot of times, especially in the last four or five years, it's been just very much specialists around him, and you only do the one yeah. thing. And um, and I would argue that it holds his teammates back either way so I mean a guy like Ingram you know he he is he following the steps of Kevin Durant like he maybe could be that kind of guy but how does that affect him now that LeBron's gonna dominate the ball yeah that's what I always wonder because you know playing with LeBron is not easy you know as much as he makes it easy for you he makes it difficult in other ways because the expectations are always going to be there that you have to perform at a high level but he's also generally he's the best guy at every position so if you're a point guard LeBron is the best playmaker on your squad. You know, if you're, um, you know, a post, a low post guy, he's he's got the best moves down there. You know, he's the best rebounder. He's the best scorer. So whatever your skill set is, LeBron's better. So it's natural that you're going to defer to him in all those situations. I think that's why he's often surrounded by shooters because that's the one area where he's not great. He's still pretty good, but he's not a great shooter. He's not a guy you expect to just knock down shots. Although he's he's really elevated his uh, shot from that area. But um, I think the one thing that makes it hard for guys is that you have to be able to say, you know what, LeBron, you're great, but I need I need to go. I'm, it's my turn to go right now. Kyrie never had that problem. He was all like, I'm going to get mine regardless. 
and you kind of have to have that mentality if you're going to play with LeBron. I think Brandon Ingram started to get more assertive, and maybe LeBron will force him to be that way because otherwise he could just wind up being a guy just standing around in a corner waiting for waiting for touches, and they may not come. I think Kuzma has has that mindset where I don't care who's out there with me, I'm still going to get my buckets. But I think the Lakers, for it to go right, they're going to need Ingram to be a guy who really steps up and starts to become more assertive. He started showing signs last year, but with LeBron there, he's really going to have to maybe sometimes bump heads to make sure that he gets the touches. Well, what do you make of some some minor reporting? Uh, and I'm not sure it sounds like it's verifiable or, or, or true, is that um, Paul George probably knew that LeBron was going to L.A. Uh, maybe a little bit before everybody else did and opted to stay in OKC, even though he was a guy who clearly wants to play for the Lakers at some point. And then Kawhi, also from the L.A. area, and I think you know had been rumbling about wanting to go, it, it kind of sounds like maybe he doesn't want to go there this year either because LeBron is already there. Do you think that there's any weight to that argument? I think there's a little bit, yeah. Um, I mean, as I said earlier, it's really hard playing with LeBron um, because you're not ever going to get credit for the success, but mm-hmm. you will get the blame for the failures. Um, you seen it, you saw it with Miami. You know, that was the first super team he sort of formed. By the fourth year, people were pointing at Wayne Wade and Chris Bosh and saying, oh, these guys aren't good enough. And then LeBron left, and you saw Kevin Love. Um, it was weird. He was seen as being sort of overrated, you know, um, during before he was in Minnesota. He got to uh, he got to Cleveland, and by the time that, that that run was over, he was probably one of the more underrated players. I don't think people realize the first twenty and ten of the NBA Finals, he has a pretty he has a pretty good productive performances, but it didn't matter because they lost. Since they lost, and no one was going to blame LeBron, then everyone's like, "Well, Kevin Love's not good enough." So mm-hmm. it's tough. If you're going to wind up playing with LeBron, you have to have a pre. And then uh, you add an equation: Kyrie Irving left. You know, um, I think that's that's what's going to stand out a lot, and that's something I think that probably hurt LeBron more than anything because that's sort of, um, you know, that's something that that stains him in a lot of ways. That Kyrie said, you know what, I don't. We we, we won a championship together. We went to three finals together, but I don't enjoy playing with you. And I'm sure that that hurt him a lot because for LeBron. His teammates are like family. They're the most important thing to him. They mean a lot to him. He wants to see them succeed and thrive. And you even saw it during the finals this year where he bought everybody those suits and we made jokes about them and everything. But it says a lot about what he wants. He wants that family type thing with his teammates. He wants that connection. And when it's not there, um, you know, he does things like subtweet and, and everything else and call guys out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a challenge. So I, I think there is something to that. And it's something that he probably wants to sort of correct when he gets to LA and make sure that whoever comes there feels empowered, feels like they're, that is not just a one-man show. But that's going to be tough because he's so great. Like I said, it, it's hard to not say, you, you go ahead and handle it, LeBron. Yeah. I, I'll be the first guy to, to rejoice if I start seeing him exist in an offense where he's moving without the ball and he's trying to use his gravity that way because that's been the frustration for me to watching him all these different yeah. years. Um, but I, it's like, how can I criticize that when they're a top five offensive team? They get to the finals. It almost doesn't matter. But I guess my lens has always been, OK, you can do that against everybody but the top two or three teams, the guys you're going to meet in the finals. And we've seen that play out. Even even in the one year they won, I mean, it took the most incredible, amazing, 
you know, uh, a play by them. Oh, and by the yeah. way, Kyrie, arguably even better than LeBron in those three last three games. And then it also took, you know, some injuries and some uh, suspensions to, to really do that. So, you know what I'm talking about. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, so we'll see. I, mean, I, I mean, about it once or twice. Yeah, so maybe there'll be there'll be some self-reflection. Maybe, you know, LeBron. Here's an interesting thing to me that I, I, I discovered, or I, I kind of made it a, a – and I, a, it got hit me when I was watching this and taking a step back after the finals was that it kind of felt like LeBron, you know, he'd been saving himself and he'd been taking uh, plays off on defense to conserve energy. But then he gets to the finals and he continues to play that way. It doesn't give us any of the energy that you thought he'd been holding, it, uh, holding on to the whole year. So I wonder if those, if that's the, is that the, you know, because obviously his offense is still as good as it's ever been. So maybe the decline in LeBron as he gets older is the defensive side. Like that is it. We're not going to see him be a defensive, uh, strong player anymore. I think that's one of the reasons why they added, you know, Lance Stevenson because he is a wing defender and he's a guy that can kind of take on the guys that let's say LeBron doesn't feel up to chasing all night. Um, and, you know, Rondo is, going to try to do the same, even though I think his reputation as a defender probably exceeds what he actually gives them right now. Um, but I think that just having those guys out there who are willing to compete, that's really what, I think that's really what LeBron wanted. You know, you remember at the end of uh, the finals, he was talking about what you need to have like a really good team. And he mentioned, you know, basketball IQ and competitiveness. And you look at, you look at John Rondo and you know, even though he can't shoot, you can't ever say he doesn't go out there and compete. Because he does compete. Um, say about Lance, he does those wacky things and he does the guitar riffs and all the stuff after he makes a bucket. But um, <laughs> but he, he he does compete. You know, he's a guy that you know you throw him out there, he's gonna play hard for you. The weird thing about Lance and that and why uh, you gotta wonder what's gonna happen is that he's only found success playing in Indiana. Everywhere else, he's been a disappointment. And Charlie was a disappointment. And uh, the Clippers, everywhere else, Memphis, everywhere she's been, it's like, wow, this guy really isn't this good. So, but the one spot he's been great has been in Indiana. So it'll be interesting to see how he how he um, performs in a, a non pastry uniform. For sure. And and by the way, I, I really like the way he played uh, this year in the playoffs. Really kind of almost, you know, changed my opinion of him completely, which was not easy to do. Uh, so, so yeah, you know, again, there are different versions of the Matrix where this could work and they could get a home court advantage maybe in the first round, maybe. But, uh, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll have to wait and see how that plays out. Uh, Michael, can you, can you give us um, – can you break some news on Kawhi? Just tell us something you, only you know and you haven't reported it anybody else. <laughs> no, I, I'm not a, in the. I don't have anything new to break there. I'm sorry. All right. Uh, I, I, was kinda... I think we're all just waiting for the the leaks to kind of jump out and, and and inform us about what's going on. Do you think that he'd be willing to sit out the whole year in spite? No, I think that's just uh, a little gamesmanship. That's just people trying to, you know, get the ball moving in terms of getting a trade done. Um, I, I don't believe that he'd actually do that. I think he's already cost himself. Uh, in a major way by missing all of last year for the most part, you know, um, because if he sits up the entire year, then they'll be wondering, like, well, what are you really committed to? Because, you know, last year he got a pass and said, oh, well, he's hurt, you know. Um, but if he misses another year, it's like, you're, what is your motivation? Like, you're with one of the best organizations in basketball. You may be unhappy there, but you know that they're going to win games. You know what they're all about. Mm-hmm. Um and then you're going to be so upset with them that you just won't show up. Like that—that's that, when it becomes a, mis- a, mis- 
goes from being a mysterious story and no one quite understand to where he starts looking like a bad guy. Where if you're a team that trades for him, it's like, what are you actually getting? You know, and that, I think that's that's the dangerous spot that Kawhi doesn't necessarily want to enter. And I think that's why they want to try to get a deal done because, you know, I think his reputation is taking a bit of a hit through this, but it would take a major one if he does something that dramatic. Sure. Well, what what are the odds of him getting traded before the season starts? What do you think? I would lean heavily towards it happening, you know, even if it's not to the Lakers. I think that the Spurs, you know, they they probably got the under the impression that bringing him back just wouldn't be good for their culture. You know, this is a place that they don't deal with drama very well. This is not something they're used to or accustomed to. Most of this, most of their problems are either slipped under a rug or never see the light of day. And I think that with uh, Kawhi, they just don't want to really have that distraction. And I think they're also playing a game too, where they're saying, "Oh, we can, we can just the trade deadline. We can go all the way up until then before we have to actually move them." Mm-hmm. But I think that knowing them, they'd rather probably rem- get rid of the distraction and not just be held held on to something that uh, clearly looks like it's over. Uh, that sounds right to me. I would be surprised if they didn't trade him. And I know they're they're asking for the moon right now, but. Uh, you know, it seems to me the Lakers really want to do it. <laughs> right. Well, because you're never, they're never going to get fair value. No one ever does for a top five player when they trade him. But, you know, I, I think that the deal ultimately should probably be something like Kuzma, Ingram, and a first round pick. If you have to throw Hart in there, maybe that's the last thing. But I think that would probably be in, in the realm of what would make, uh, would, would actually go down. Yeah. I want to make sure that I'm holding on to Brandon Ingram at all costs. And, uh, and then, then we'll then we'll try to discuss anybody else. But um, I think Ingram is a guy. I mean, Kuzma's been great, but I, I think I still have a lot of confidence in Ingram. I like the progress that he showed in his second year, mm-hmm. and I would really want to make sure that he's around for whatever the Lakers become. I hear you. I, you know, it's funny. I like him. It seems to me that he just takes a while to get warmed up in a game where he'll look kind of meek and sort of unaggressive in the beginning of the game. And then he kind of breaks a sweat, gets out there. And then all of a sudden he'll make like three plays in a row to the heart of the basket. And you're like, whoa, like where was that? So, uh, I, you know, maybe he'll learn with experience. And, and, you know, just that's all he needs is just more experience to figure out how to just get going earlier, get that mindset quicker uh, and keep it the entire game. And then, you know, watch out. I mean, you're right. The guy's progression has been pretty good. And uh, if he can start to shoot more threes, uh, he's got a funky shot. But if he can start shooting those more <laughs> and making some of those, then, then we'll see. Uh, what's happening uh, really quickly in, uh, in OKC? Because I refuse to believe that Paul George agreed to go back there knowing that Melo is still going to be on the roster come opening night. Yeah, I, I think Melo was hoping that he's not a part of that anymore either. I think that he went there expecting things to be uh, better than they were in New York where – you know, where he could just play, have fun, and win. But, I, but he, what he discovered is that the system really is about Russ. And adjusting to that wasn't very easy for him. I think he, he refused to come off the bench because he just didn't feel like that was the team or these were the players that he was willing to come off the bench for. But I think if you wind up putting him in a, uh, a veteran environment, like say you put him with the Lakers and you put him, uh, he might be willing to come off the bench in a certain place like there or Golden State. Um, but he wouldn't want to do it in Oklahoma City because he already feels like he's taking a step back by not being in New York. Now you're going to ask him to come off the bench in a place that he doesn't really want to be anyway. I think that that was what led to a lot of his frustration. And the fact that they had that party, you know, or the concert with Nas, and, you know, he's a big Nas fan. Like, when that album came out, he was, like, tweeting about, yo, this is real hip-hop, my man, blah, blah, blah. 
if he's not hanging out with Nas with PG and Russ, uh, like to me that was a clear indication that his days in Oklahoma City are probably numbered. And it makes a lot of sense for them to cut him or either stretch him, trade him, do anything to cut their ties with him because they have like a $150 million luxury tax penalty to go along with like a $160 million payroll. And for a team that lost in the first round to Donovan Mitchell and Joe Ingles and Rudy Gobert to be spending $300 million for a first-round exit team, that doesn't seem like a wise investment. But if they cut him or stretch him, they could save. If they stretch him, they could save like $100 million or so. <laughs> so it just makes a lot of sense to just say, uh, thanks, Melo, for showing up, and good luck whatever your career, wherever your career takes you because it wasn't a good fit and uh, financially – it makes no sense for them to continue their relationship. I, I agree wholeheartedly, and I feel like uh, he was just a, um, you know, he's just not the same mellow anymore anyway. I'm not sure he understands that, and certainly defensively, it's such a problem for them. But if they got rid of him, and they're shaping up, they, they brought Raymond Felton back, and the Robertson will be back, all of a sudden you're looking at, like, if they could figure out somebody else to get uh, to plug that position you know what, they're kind of, they might be best suited to defend Golden State and give them a hard time. Wouldn't, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I mean, in a couple of their regular season games last year, um, you know, before Robinson got hurt, they went in there and they won in Oakland uh, with a pretty decisive performance. Paul George had one of his best games in a Thunder uniform. And, you know, they also have that that, that chip of just, you know, Russ and his relationship with Kevin, and mm-hmm. you know, just competitively, they they really want them. You know, they're one of the few teams that, you know, is up for the challenge, you know, at least mentally, it's just all about the talent disparity that may cause more problems. But I I think that if they had wound up getting past Utah, um, you know, they could have been a a tough out for Houston. They could have made it interesting. Or if they wound up somehow in sixth or, you know, were in the same bracket as, um, as the, uh, as the, as the Warriors, that would have been a really interesting series because the emotions uh, on both sides can can provide either can either be a deterrent or something that uh, or positive, you know, whichever way you want it to go um, in that kind of matchup. So I think that just the history with Durant in that organization, they, that would be one of the teams that could make it interesting if they ever met in the playoffs. Oh, absolutely. And I just feel like, I mean, the only problem playing Houston was they were so merciless attacking Melo in the pick and roll that, um, you know, they would have had to have benched Melo in the, in the playoff, in the playoff situation. And then, which would have been okay for OKC. It would have probably made them better. So, uh, yeah, I would look for them to stretch him, uh, clear them off the books. Uh, you know, I, it's funny because it's like, they, if they had Kawhi, <laughs> you know what, then they would be able to beat the Warriors, right? Yeah. Could they Maybe. trade for Kawhi? Who, Oklahoma City? Yeah. No, I mean, no, they don't. No. They don't have the assets. <laughs> they don't have the assets, and uh, and I just don't think that um, Kawhi would necessarily want to go there. Okay. I think, I think he is attracted to a bigger market. I think it would be a place where he could go and either sell, his, sell himself, market himself better, uh-huh. uh, you know, become more attractive to Jordan Brand. If he plays in a place where, you know, he'll be – on TV a lot and be, uh, I don't know if Oklahoma City is the market that he's looking at. I think if he wants to leave, he wants to either go New York, Philly, or LA. And LA, obviously, being home is probably the biggest uh, attraction for him. Sure. Well, you know, imagine that Jeremy Grant takes that position then and, and, and just blossoms. 
uh, all they need to do is find someone off the bench then to play another forward role. And you know what? Maybe they, they're ready to go. So we'll have to keep our eye on that. But either way, I can't thank you enough, Michael, for coming on the show and joining us. Yeah, man. Anytime. I'm glad you asked me to hop on with you. Hey, anytime for sure. I'm sorry I'm going to miss you in Vegas in Summer League, but I'm sure we will run into each other at some point. Thank you again for coming on the show. And don't forget, sports fans, that B-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel. We're a conversation. You in? Are you in, Michael? Oh, I'm always in. <laughs>